Hello and welcome to Foothill Christian American Canyon. We're glad you joined us today and we sincerely hope that you're blessed with today's message. Uh, we're going to continue with our series this morning on what is your calling. We started last week and it's very important that at the outset of the year that you start off with new beginnings, right? With, with good foundations. Uh, how many have already destroyed, obliterated your New Year's resolutions? How many have already just said goodbye, forget it, it's not working, right? Maybe some of you, maybe some of you are waiting till February, maybe some till March, but at some point things just go haywire and, and, and it gets crazy. But through it all, we all have a calling, a purpose. How many understand that? We have a purpose. God didn't just create you just to exist. Uh, I mentioned last week, uh, I have a co-worker uh, where I work at in Napa, and this co-worker just believes we exist. In other words, we're born, and then we die, and that's life. Now, I, I think that's so sad every time I hear him say that, but again, that's what an atheist believes. You can't change that, and I'm not there to debate that, because it's pointless to try to debate that. You, how do you debate that? How do you challenge somebody like that? You live it through your life. That's what they see. Amen? So, again, this series that we're on is to help us understand why were we put here on this earth? Were we put here just to live and, and to exist and to make a living and then uh, put that bumper sticker on our car that says, I owe, I owe, so off to work I go, and then that's it? And then come home and have dinner and then, or take a shower and then go to bed and then do it all over again the next day. Is that all? That sounds horrible, isn't it? But that's the life. That's the reality of some people. Some families have that existence. But God didn't create us just to exist. God didn't create us just to endure. He created us to enjoy life. Did you know that? And, and that doesn't mean that every day of your life is filled with joy. There, there are trials and tribulations that even you and I as believers will face. But he did give us a purpose and a calling. Every single one of us. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I have purpose in my life. And maybe as you're saying that this morning, maybe you're not buying it. Maybe you're not really truly believing that. You know what the word of God says, but you're not sure what that is. That's still okay. It's okay because... I, as I gave you an example last, last week, it took me 48 years to figure out what my purpose was to be a minister. I didn't grow up in this. I didn't grow up as a born-again believer. But it took me years to figure that out. And then I started going to Bible school. And then, uh, then I'm here now. God has a purpose and a plan for everybody. Amen? Amen. But what I want to talk to you this morning is about what that purpose is. You know, I, I may be a, a pastor and a speaker up here. Um, like when I look at my dad, he's a jack of all trades. There isn't anything he can't do or fix, right? But that's not why he was created. God didn't create him just to be a jack of all trades. God just didn't create Justin to be in the medical field or Nessie to be in the medical field. That, that's what they do, but that's not their purpose in life. Amen? We all have a divine purpose. Have you been like me in the past, even sometimes now, and contemplate, Lord, what do you want in my life? What am I supposed to do with my life? Raise your hand if you've ever thought that. If you've ever maybe, uh, you know where I think that? When I go see God's beautiful creation. When I go to places like Yosemite, 
one of my favorite places in the whole world. I love to visit there, and it's been too, too long. And uh, the Grand Canyon, uh, I'd love to go visit there one day. But when you see God's creative handiwork like that, you have to ask yourself, Lord, where do I fit in in all this? How do I fit in? And, and what's your purpose and calling for my life? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. And we have a sermon text that I'd like for you to stand this morning. It's a brief text. It's on your outline. It's found in Jeremiah 29, 11, And most of you know that scripture by heart. But I want to read it nice and loud this morning. It's found in Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 11. It says the following. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And while you're standing, let me read another scripture here found in Ecclesiastes. It's not on your outline, but it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1. There is a time for everything, and, a, and there is time for every event under heaven. Let me read it to you in another uh, version. It says, there is an appointed time for everything, and there is a time for every event under heaven. And then my last scripture, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Again, these scriptures you're familiar with. It says in verse 28, And we know that in all things God works for the good. Everybody say, for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Everybody say, his purpose. Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for your word this morning. It's enduring, it's forever unchanging. Lord, what your promises stated over 2,000 years ago are still true today. So Lord, we thank you that we can hold on to those promises of God, that you do have a plan, and, and that is to give us all a future and a hope. And Lord, this morning I pray, help us to discover what that purpose is that we were created for, and we pray that in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Again, look at your neighbor before you're seated and tell him, God is good. good. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Um, You know, it takes a long time to figure out what we're supposed to do, right? Uh, I'm going to pick on my daughter because she knows I can pick on her because I have the mic. And uh, Raquel graduated from high school already. But but as an 18-year-old, a lot of times you don't know what, what's the next step in life. She's going to Napa Valley College, but she's not sure what that next step is. How many have been there in that position? We've, we've been there, right? Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're not 18. Maybe you're 38. Maybe you're 48 like I was. Um, living for God, but knowing there's a greater purpose, that God has a, different, a plan for you. So again, she'll discover what that purpose is. We don't put pressure on her. Okay, you got another year and you're out the door. We don't tell her that because, number one, we're Mexican. Mexican families don't do that to their kids, right? <laughs> we don't do that to our children, but, uh, uh, or nor, nor does anybody. But, again, we want the best for her. We want the best for every one of you because your heavenly Father wants the best for you. Amen? Yes. You know, Psalms 149 and verse 4 says the following, For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. Who's his people this morning? Raise your hand if you're his people. Raise your hand. He takes pleasure in you this morning. The Lord says he takes pleasure in you. He delights in you, says another version. He delights in you. Number one on your outline, 
says the following. First point is your plan, you were planned for God's pleasure. God created you for His pleasure. God created you for His pleasure. How many parents we have here? Raise your hand. We're doing some exercises this morning, right? We're raising our hand a lot. Good, we're keeping warm that way. You parents, I, I don't even have to tell you this or ask you this, but do your children bring you pleasure? Of course they do. Other times they bring us other feelings, but uh, a lot of times they bring us pleasure. Our Heavenly Father is no different. You and I bring Him pleasure every single day of our lives when we follow, when we walk in His will, when we walk in, his, in obedience to Him. Amen? Bringing pleasure to God is called worship. This is what I want you to hear this morning. This is the key this morning. Bringing pleasure to God is called worship. It's not anything else. It's bringing pleasure to God is called worship. It's the very first calling and purpose of a believer's life. That's your first calling. You know, many of you here, there's, there's an engineer in here that I know of. There's nurses in here, registered nurses. There's retired nurses. There's, there's educators here um, and so forth. I could go on. But that's not your calling. That's what you do, but that's not your calling. There's a big difference. See, we were created, God created us for eternity. Our career, which lasts 30 to 50 years, anywhere in between there or longer, it's, it's a very short, brief period of time. But eternity is forever. God created you for a purpose for eternity. Amen? And so... With that being said, your first calling, your first purpose in life is to worship Him. Let me read that scripture again that we, was our scripture verse this morning. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30. Mark chapter 12 and verse 30 says the following. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Notice it didn't say love the God, your God with 90% of your heart, 75% of your heart, 50% of your heart. It says, love your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Amen? God wants you to love Him undividedly, 100%. Don't shortchange Almighty God. Amen? Secondly, here's what I want to talk to you about. What real worship is. It's falling in love with Jesus. It's falling in love with Jesus. If you've ever fallen in love with Jesus, that means you desire to want to be with Him. You desire to want to be in church when the doors open. You desire to want to be at a, at a Bible study. You desire to want to be with your brother and sisters that you fellowship with. That's what God causes in your heart, stirs in your heart when you begin to bring Him pleasure and worship Him. Amen? Amen. Amen. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 31, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This right here is what I want to talk to you about this morning. This, this really is the gist of my message. Every part of a church service is worship. It's not just earlier when my brother-in-law Martin was playing guitar, and my daughter Bianca's playing the keyboard, and you may be singing to those songs. That's not just worship. That's a part of it. Worship is the moment you walk in through these doors. Even before that, the moment you park. 
and, and start walking in here. Even before that, the moment you got up and started getting yourself ready. Even before that, the moment you went to sleep last night. Even before that, I can just keep going. Worship is every facet of your life. That's what I want you to understand this morning. That's your first calling. That's your first purpose, is to worship Him in everything. That scripture, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That's really encompassing everything we do as believers, everything we do as human beings. We can do it for Him. And I want to talk to you about that this morning. This morning as we came, some of you came early to help set up. You know, we set up here every morning, which is great because we got a great team of people that work hard. Uh, I always brag to other people, other pastors of, of the time, talent, treasures that you guys have that you contribute to our church. Because we can't do this on our own. How many know that? I count on all your help and those that aren't here today. I count on, on those that aren't here. Um, there's some of you that are on on vacation today, some that are sick today, keep Irene in prayer this morning, she's not feeling well, um, but again, I count on all of you, amen? So the question this morning is, I want to ask you this, what should be our goal in worship? What should be our goal in worship? Okay, Pastor Rick, I hear you, uh, so immediately I think worship, I think of when we're praising God, okay, but as I said, step back, and then step back from that. What should be our goal? Number one, it's to bring pleasure to God. Bring pleasure to God, not ourselves. And, and every time you hear the Lord, anytime he spoke on parables uh, in the New Testament, anytime you see anything like this, uh, a pastor teaching on this, it's the exact opposite of what the world does. The world says, well, bring pleasure to yourself. Bring pleasure to yourself. Go, go out and and get that brand new car that you don't really need, that you really can't afford. Go out and go get that new whatever it is that you can't afford. And just as long as you're happy, that's all that counts, right? Isn't that the way the world works? Is, is, and, then, and then you look over, over at your neighbor where the grass appears to be greener, you, you know, where it appears to be greener and it's not. Because nowadays they, they spray that fake color green on there. I'm just kidding. That's how some families' lives look. It appears to be greener. But it's not. They go through the same challenges you and I do. I promise you they do that. So the, again, our, our goal in worship to, should be to bring pleasure to God, not to ourselves. Am I saying it's wrong to, to bring pleasure to yourself? No, no. You can do things for your family for yourself, to, to be a blessing. That's great, but that shouldn't be your number one goal in your life. Amen? It should be to please God Almighty. Which then leads us to point number two, the heart of worship. Everybody say the heart of worship. Is to surrender. Okay, one more exercise. If you can, everybody raise both your hands in the air. Just raise both your hands. That is the universal sign of Surrender. Amen. You can put your hands down. Did you, did you see how we, that felt? It's, it's you're giving yourself up. You're giving yourself up when you surrender. Romans chapter 6 and 13 says it this way in one particular version. It says, give yourselves to God. Surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteous purposes. Surrender your whole being. Didn't say surrender, 
you know, one day out of the week for God on Sunday. It didn't say surrender Sunday and maybe throw in a Wednesday. It didn't say um, surrender a Sunday, a Wednesday, maybe a Friday for a youth night. It didn't say that. It says surrender your whole being to him to be used for righteousness. What that means is 24-7, 365, 366 on a leap year. Amen. That God wants you to be surrendered completely to him, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're doing. And again, the, the question here this morning or the discussion would be, why is it so hard to surrender? Uh, if, if you're sitting next to your spouse, just elbow them. They know what, what they mean or what I mean when I say it's hard to surrender. Sometimes it's hard to surrender somebody else's will, right? To, to, to agree to do something. It's hard to surrender that and let go of that when you know that person may be wrong. Right? Elbow them again because you know what you know what you're right. You know you're right. Okay. Surrendering is, is difficult. It's not easy. It doesn't come naturally. It isn't a natural thing to surrender. And it shouldn't be a natural thi- thing to surrender. Amen? Here's what happens. Fear Pride and confusion, the three amigos, will keep you from surrendering to God. Those three things will keep you from surrendering to God. Fear, pride, and confusion will always keep you from surrendering to God. But when we learn to surrender, when you lift your hands and say, Lord, I give up. It's, it's you. I want to serve you with all my being. Lord, I give in to whatever it is. Whatever you ask of me, I will do. But when you give in to that, what do we gain? We, we, we throw away fear, pride, and confusion. And now we gain peace, freedom, and, and God's power, His anointing in our life. How many want to have peace, freedom, and God's anointing in your life today? Amen? Of course you do. You want that. I need that. You need that. Amen? But it comes at the price of surrender, surrendering to God. When we enter or when we discover that heart of worship, which is actually surrendering, which is sometimes getting on your knee and saying, Lord, forgive me. Sometimes that means getting on your knee, you know, metaphorically to your spouse and saying, forgive me. I was wrong. Don't 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 raise your hands. If you need prayer counseling after that marriage counseling, come see me later. But sometimes you need to do that. All of us do. But surrendering is where it starts, right? And then when we do that, when we get into that heart of worship, which is surrendering, and again, this is your purpose, my purpose, your calling, my calling. When we get to that point, we get to point number three, which is friendship with God. We now become his friends. He considers us his friend. There's no greater gift in the world than for the Lord to call you my friend. I mean, how many are thankful that he is your friend today? Amen. Amen. You can look to him and and, and there's no greater friend in the world. Because here's what we do know. We all have friends and acquaintances, right? We all have friends. Maybe some of you can say, well, I have maybe one friend. That. But you have a friend. You, all of us have acquaintances, people we work with, people we see that we run into. They're acquaintances. They may not be those true friends that you can count on. I was talking to somebody this morning and they said, you know, what's hard about friendship is, is trust. How many know what I'm talking about? Trust. Sometimes 
friends, and we'll all experience this. I don't care who you are. Trust will be broken and you'll be hurt by some individual. And it's hard. Once trust is broken, you can't trust that person again. It's very, it's very difficult. It's very difficult. But again, the Lord is our friend. And the Bible says he sticks closer than a brother. Amen? He sticks closer than a brother. I mean, I love my brother Reuben, who's not here today. He's out enjoying his birthday. By the way, it was my birthday yesterday, too. We both share the same birthday. We're not twins, but talk to my parents. I don't know how they worked that out. One, one year after me, my brother was born. He, he, he always tells me I'm, he's my gift. My brother tells me that he's my gift. And so I said, yes, I'll take that. But as much as I love my brother, Reuben... The Bible says, God sticketh closer than a brother. God is your ultimate friend. Amen? Amen. God is that ultimate person that you can go to when those tears are streaming and you have nowhere else to turn, seemingly. Nobody you can call. Nobody you can text. Nobody that understands. You can take it straight to God. He is your friend. Amen? Amen? Why is that? Because He cares for you. He loves you. He created you for His pleasure. How much more is he going to want to love you in that moment? Amen? Ever since the fall of mankind, ever since Adam and Eve rebelled and they were booted out of the Garden of Eden. Remember that story? Remember that story? Ever since then, God's plan has been to restore that fellowship, that friendship. Ever since then. And so this plan was developed of Jesus Christ Becoming our Savior, leading us to redemption, dying on the cross, and so forth. You know the plan. That was God's ultimate plan. He knew what Adam and Eve would do. But in order to restore that fellowship with you and I, which had become broken now because of sin, God had to send His Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you and I. And for one goal, so that we could be restored again. We could be friends with Him. Amen? How do I put it another way? You ever had a relationship that's been broken because somebody did you wrong and you said, I'm never, ever going to talk to that person again. I'm never, ever going to forgive them again. But somehow, somewhere, God's grace showed up. And then now you've gotten past that. You've worked up past that. And you've, you've forgiven that person. They're now talking to you. And, and, and God's grace is there, right? And that friendship has been restored. Maybe not to where it was originally, Because once burned, you know, you never forget. But uh, at the same time, relationship has been restored. We've all experienced things like that. God wants that same, very same thing for you this morning. Amen? He wants to develop that friendship with you. So if we honor God, He considers us not only His son or daughter this morning, but He considers us His friend there was a, there's a great line I'm trying to remember. It's in Tombstone. Maybe my brother-in-law Martin can help me. One of my favorite movies is Tombstone. And with Val Kilmer. You remember that movie? Anybody see that movie? Anyways, he's dying on a bed, Val Kilmer. And he plays Doc Holliday. And they asked him about Wyatt Earp. And I forget what the question was. But his answer was, Wyatt Earp was my friend. In other words, what he was saying, that was his only friend he ever had that would stick close to him. And the Lord is that way in our life. He alone will be there. 
He alone will see you through. He alone will see you through those challenging times. He alone will meet every single one of your needs. Amen? Amen. People will disappoint you. Pastor Rick will disappoint you because I'm not perfect. Every one of you will be disappointed possibly with each other at some point. We're not perfect. And that's okay. That's okay. But the bottom line is, there is one that won't disappoint you. How many are thankful for that this morning? Amen. Give him praise this morning. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs 18, 24. And that is our Lord God. Our God is not that way. Jeremiah 29, 11. Again, um, you don't need to stand again for this, but in Jeremiah... The verse says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. We all know that verse. We've heard it a million times. And really what I'm trying to get you to understand in this message is that it's not necessarily about, um, well, am I called to be a pastor? Am I called to be a missionary? Am I called to be a teacher? Am I called, what, what am I called to do? It may not necessarily be in the spiritual realm or ministry work. What I want you to understand here is you're all called to worship. Yes. You were all created and designed for God's pleasure. You were designed to worship when you're at home. When you're taking a shower this morning... Worship Him in the shower. That's when I sing. Because you don't want to hear me sing here. When you're driving on the way here, instead of listening to that sports talk radio show, or whatever it is you listen to, turn on some praise music and begin to worship Him. Amen? I can listen to what the 49ers are going to do next year, or next week. Amen? Praise Him in whatever it is that you're doing. When you're surrendered to God, when you truly rely on God 100% to work things out instead of trying to manipulate others, oftentimes when we're not surrendered, we manipulate. We try to manipulate others to make things happen in our life. We try to work our way, our way, right? Because that's the world. It's what the world has trained us to do. And the Lord is saying, no, that's not how you do it. You were created for a greater purpose. You have a greater calling. Number one is to live for me. You're, you're created for my pleasure, and I want you to worship me. And when you do that, we have this intimate friendship, this fellowship, this relationship. That's why you hear us born-again believers talk about a relationship. The world doesn't understand that because they don't understand what a true divine spiritual relationship is all about. They, all they see is, 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 is the world breaking up, yelling at each other, uh, going through this and that, and, and causing racial divide, and on and on and on. When God is saying, no, what I want is fellowship like this. I want to have a fellowship with you, a friendship with each of you. Amen? Amen. So, again, when God sees you surrendering, he steps in to bless you. Again, though, going back to Jeremiah 29, he gives you a hope and a future with plans, not to harm you, but to give you that hope and that future, right? How many have experienced that? You you've have hope now where you didn't have that before. You have a, a future now where you didn't have that before, amen? This morning as I get to my closing here, I want to remind you, 
of one thing, of our attitude. Attitude is everything. Everybody say that with me. Attitude is everything. I, I always say this at work because I've, I've hired people, I, I don't know if I want to say hundreds, possibly hundreds, yeah, hundreds of people in my lifetime career, and I'll take this any day. I'll take a, a great, a good, great attitude over a hard worker with a bad attitude any day of the week. How many understand what I'm talking about? I'll take a good attitude because I can train you to work. I can train you to work hard and develop uh, some, some foundation in you, but I can't develop a good attitude in you. That starts in here, inside of you. But if you come with a good attitude, a great attitude, we can go places. We can do things. Here, this, and, and having said that, I want you to hear and listen to this. The key to a friendship with God is not changing what you do, but your attitude towards what you do. Let me repeat that again. The key to friendship with God is not changing what you do, but it's changing your attitude towards what you do. Your attitude is where it's all at. It's attitude. There's some people that you see coming and you'll walk the other way because you know their attitude, right? We all know people like that. Tomorrow you go to work, you're going to see people and work with people that have attitude. And that's the way they are. I always like to say their pampers were put on too tight when they were a kid. What you normally do for yourself, you begin doing for God when you have the right attitude. When you have the right attitude, you begin doing things for God that you would normally do for yourself. Time, talents, treasures, those three things. Every one of us have been gifted with those. And what do you use them for? Is it just for me, 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 me? Or is it to bless the kingdom of God? Bless your ministry. I believe every one of you have ministry. I believe every one of you, everywhere you go, you're a ministry in action. You're a ministry. Amen? Here's what I want you to get with this attitude. Lord, help me today to worship you, to be the best spouse I can be. Lord, help me today to be the best parent I can be in worshiping you. That's great worship when you do that. Lord, help me today to go home and necessary wash clothes, clean the house, and do it with a worshipful attitude. Lord, help me to go out and, and, and trim the trees today and do it with a worshipful attitude. When you're, when you're out there doing some carpentry work and you bang your thumb like all of us have done at some point or another, and you begin to say, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Amen? Because too often we want to say something else. But you say, thank you, Jesus. That's worshiping Him. It's just attitude. It's that simple. Everybody say attitude. attitude. Is everything. everything. Amen. Everything I do, Lord, I do unto you. Everything I do, I do unto you. So as we honor the Lord with our worship and everything we do, we become more cognizant of His presence in our life. Have you ever been somewhere in the middle of a crowd and sensed God? God's presence there? It doesn't have to be at church. It doesn't have to be when you're on your knees. It doesn't have to be when you're in the car listening to K-Love or, or whatever your choice of music may be. It doesn't have to be that. It can be sitting at home, staring off and looking at the mountains. It could be in your backyard, in my parents' home in Rutherford, looking in their backyard at, at the roses and the bushes and the vineyards in the back and thinking, God, I worship you. 
God, I love you. I, I feel your presence here. Amen? Every single day of your life, we should strive to be cognizant of his presence in our life. Because he's there. He's there. Amen? This is when he truly becomes your friend and my friend. That's what happens when you are cognizant of him all around you. I said this last week, we each have the same 86,400 seconds per day. How many seconds are in a day? Each of you should take advantage of that to be able to become more cognizant, to be able to develop an attitude of worship, amen? To give God pleasure, because that's why you were created. That is your number one calling. That is your number one calling. Let's use them daily, those seconds, to be aware of God in every, every situation. So again, what am I talking about this morning? Number one, we were planned for God's pleasure, not yours. See, it's, it's not about me. It's not about you. You were planned for God's pleasure. Number two, <clears throat> excuse me, the heart of worship, which is surrender. We must get to the point of surrendering. And then three... The third point is friendship with God. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. Nobody else can have it unless you revere God. You, you reverence Him. And that's actually a scripture found in Psalm chapter 25 and verse 14. Friendship with God is reserved for those who reverence Him. The unbeliever can't have that. The unbeliever doesn't even desire that. But you and I should desire to become closer with God every single day. It shouldn't take you church or a message to want you to strive to become closer to God. Every day, do you have a job? Thank you, Lord, for the job I have to go to. Lord, thank you for the clothes I get to wear to that job. Lord, thank you for the car that I get to put my clothes on and go to the job and drive to. Lord, thank you for the gasoline I have in my car that I was able to get from the paycheck from the work that I got when I put my clothes on to drive to that job. Amen? And on and on and on. Thank you, Lord. That's worship. That's worship when you do that. Lord, thank you for that, for that family, for those of you that have waited on tables here. Thank you for that family that's just bickering and barking at me and I'm doing the best I can. Thank you that they're out celebrating you know, their family. Lord, may you bless them. They may not understand, Right? Lord, bless that coworker that has that bad attitude. I don't know his situation. I don't know what his life situation is, what he went through, what he's gone through. But Lord, may you help him. May, may he begin to become cognizant of your love so that he can become friends with you. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. That's what we all need to do. And each of us, each of us are more than capable, capable of doing that. But it starts with attitude. Attitude is everything. Amen? I love our church here. Because every one of you, I, I can never complain about any attitude in here. I'm serious. I'm honest. I can't complain about any attitudes in here because they're all great attitudes. You come to serve of your time, your talents, and your treasures. My daughter, I didn't even ask her. She just came up. See, that's a perfect example. She's, she's coming up to serve of her time, of her talents and treasures. Amen. I want you to hear the scripture and, and let it resonate in your mind. James chapter 4 and verse 8 in the New Living uh, Translation says it this way. Draw close to God and God will draw close to you. 
draw close to God and God will draw close to you. It sounds very simple and it is. It really is. And maybe there's some of you here this morning that have not been where you need to be. That calling is, is foreign to you. This calling of being a, a, worship, a worshiping person, a friend of God. Maybe you're not where you need to be. I want to say this model, this prayer. It's just a model prayer. And I'd like you to repeat it. Mean it with your heart. And I believe God will hear you. God will hear you. So won't you bow your heads with me this morning. And let's just say this prayer together. Just repeat with what I'm saying this morning. Jesus forgive me. For being too busy. To develop a friendship with you. I want to develop. A continual conversation with you throughout the day at home at work wherever I go in Jesus name Amen if you prayed that simple prayer it's that simple it's really that simple God God created this Bible for a for a six-year-old to understand a five-year-old to understand there's children in our kids' church right now in the back that are understanding principles that are easy to understand from this word. He didn't make this complicated. We complicate it. We make it so hard on ourselves when we don't need to. God is saying, hey, time out. Do you need to spend so much time on, on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat, on whatever social media? How about maybe giving me some of that time? That's what the Lord is saying. Again, nothing wrong with those things, but are you giving the Lord equal time? I get convicted of that. If I spend too much time on one thing, I, the Lord speaks to me and says, well, you didn't pray for an hour, but yet you were on, you know, reading the newspaper on, online. You know, I get convicted of that right away. And so then I, I stop and then I start praying. May that be each of us today. May we get convicted. May, may the Lord just lovingly remind you He wants to have fellowship with you. He created you for His pleasure. Amen? He created you to worship Him. That is your first calling this morning. How many received that this morning? That's your calling this morning. Amen? Amen.